Welcome to the Redeemer Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're listening today. At Redeemer, we are committed to connecting people to God's transforming love, and I hope that this podcast is just one more way that you connect to God's presence this week. We have just wrapped up a four-week study of our faithful God. We took a look at the Old Testament and examined how God's faithfulness has been a constant promise. You can catch up by watching the sermons at RedeemerTulsa.org or listen right here in the podcast. So now, here is week four of Faithful God from our lead pastor, Adam Barnett. Well, again, good morning. And to all of you who are watching right now online, wherever you are watching, I like to think that we are greeting both people in the sanctuary and also our second campus, which is on your couch. So glad that you are with us. It is good to enjoy God's presence uh, physically together, but also wherever you're joining us now. Let's turn to Psalm chapter 91, and as you turn there in your Bible or go there on your Bible app, uh, I'd like to conduct a quick case study with those of you in the room and also those of you at home. Everybody raise your hand and participate if I name something that you have or have possession of. Here we go. If you have a lock on the front door of your house, just lift your hand, okay? And maybe a gate to your backyard. All right. An alarm system. Maybe just a lot of you could keep your hands up. Just your shoulders are going to get tired here. An alarm system. Motion sensors. Okay. Security cameras. Raise your hand if you put on a seatbelt on the way to church this morning. All right. Raise your hand if you're thankful for airbags behind the dash in your vehicle just in case. Keep your hand up if you've got a password on your cell phone. Keep your hand up if you've got a password on your computer. Keep your hands up if you have a retirement plan. Keep your hand up if you have an insurance policy. Everybody's hands been up for a long time, up and down, up and down. You can lower them. And here's the point that I want to make today at the beginning of this message. We are desperate people and maybe even a little frantic at times. We're desperate for an enduring sense of safety and security in our lives, aren't we? I mean, we want to be safe and secure, and I touched on this in Daniel chapter 3 last week, whenever we looked at this crippling effect on our lives when we live with this what-if mentality. What if what I'm asking God for, what if what I'm praying for, what if what I'm believing God for does not happen? This, This gives us this consuming fear, this consuming anxiety, this consuming worry of what we cannot control in our future. And so what if the absolute worst happens to me? What if the absolute worst happens to my spouse? What if the worst imaginable situation happens to my family or my job or my savings? And you get the point. So Psalm 91 on the heels of Daniel chapter 3 last week is our text for today. And this is a psalm that is read when people are facing great fears or struggles. A psalm and a a chapter that people refer to whenever they're afraid and whenever they need God's hope for their safety, for their security. In fact, this is a psalm that I remember at the beginning of this global pandemic being invited into a national prayer movement where for 91 days we prayed Psalm 91 over our homes, over our communities, over our churches, over our nation and our world. Spurgeon wrote that it is impossible to imagine anything more beautiful or more profound Then Psalm 91, and another author wrote that Psalm 91 is in a class all in its own. 
And so we are in for a real treat today. By the way, I'm proud of you for wearing your seatbelt on the way to church this morning, especially to my kids. I'm proud of you for wearing your seatbelt. Keep wearing your seatbelt. I don't bring up any of these safety mechanisms to say that these are bad things. These are good and important things, especially when you're traveling in a 3,000-pound machine. Wear your seatbelt. But as we get into the Word today, here's what I want to encourage you with, and here's what I want to remind you. The most enduring sense that you ever need regarding your personal safety and your security and your family's security is Jesus Christ, period. Everything else is great. Everything else is proper. You can have those things. You can have glass break things on your house. But listen, the most enduring sense of security is in Jesus Christ alone. Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen? The author of this psalm is unknown, but whoever was behind the pen was in great danger. And the fears were round the clock, terror by night, arrows that fly by day, pestilence that stalks in the darkness, and a plague that destroys at midday. This is unrelenting threats. No matter where this person turns, they don't feel very safe and secure. They're crying out to God for God's help. So these promises are refreshing in light of these unrelenting threats. You'll, he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague will come near your tent. Angels will guard you in all of your ways, and you will not strike your foot against the stone. The Lord will deliver you. The Lord will rescue you. The Lord will be with you in trouble. These are assuring and refreshing promises from God's Word, especially when we are in the midst of disaster. But does this mean that those who trust in God won't be snared? 
Does this mean that those who trust in God will not get disease? Does Psalm 91 mean that those who trust in God will never fall in battle? Does this mean that those who trust in God will never experience the consequences of evil in their lives? Does this mean that those who trust in God, the Christian family, will always be protected? This question requires caution of interpretation. And my friends, we have to be careful to never bend Scripture to mean what we want it to mean. We must be cautious to never bend Scripture to say what we need it to say or to say what makes us feel good or safe or secure. We cannot bend the Word of God as Satan did with Psalm 91. He tempted Jesus and he said, come on, Jesus. You're going to be delivered We see Psalm 91 in Matthew chapter 4 when he's tempting Christ. He says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. That's Psalm 91, 11. And they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. That's Psalm 91, 12. Even Satan was bending scripture to say something that Scripture was in fact not saying. But here is the tension with this text. This seemingly face value interpretation of Psalm 91 is that the Christian is indestructible. No plague shall come near your home, your tent. The seemingly face value interpretation is that Christians are indestructible. It says, I don't have to fear the plague, so why do I have to wear this mask? I'm not going to get COVID-19. Forget about hand sanitizer, right? And it says that I can tread on the lion and the cobra. So what that means to me is that my next family trip to the zoo is going to be outstanding. Of course, Psalm 91 is not permitting such reckless living, although trampling on a lion would be a pretty sweet experience. So how do we interpret this passage of Scripture? How do we interpret Psalm 91? I turn to the testimony of Jim Elliott for help, and many of you are familiar with his story. In 1956, Elliott and four other missionaries were killed by the Aka tribe in the rainforest of Ecuador. A few years later, Jim's wife Elizabeth wrote about the life and testament of her slain husband, and listen to the title that she gave her work, Shadow of the Almighty, from Psalm 91, 1. Shadow of the Almighty is the title that she gave the work in which she wrote and documented about the life and testament of her slain husband. Maybe she chose this title because she was convinced that God is not a refuge from all suffering and and, and, and all trials and death, but from final and ultimate defeat. Maybe God is not a refuge from all trials. We are going to face trials of many kinds. That's in James chapter 1. But maybe God is the refuge from ultimate defeat, final defeat, which makes me think that ultimately the Christian is indestructible. 
No matter what happens in this life, my soul is safe and secure for all of eternity. Jim Elliot certainly believed this as years before his death, he penned this famous quote, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. An army, an army of noble Christian martyrs could testify that the greatest deliverance is the deliverance into the presence of God for all of eternity, not deliverance from this little trial here on earth and this little trial that I'm going to face next week, but a, 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 an army of martyrs could testify the greatest deliverance is that moment in which we receive the gift of eternal life. See, Psalm 91, if Paul were to read Psalm 91, it wasn't God's promise to keep him out of prison. It wasn't God's promise to keep him from trials of many kinds. It wasn't God's promise to Paul to keep him from shipwrecks and from hunger and from persecution. Psalm 91 to Paul was read that God was guaranteeing more than deliverance right here and now in this life, that God was guaranteeing this eternal security, this unending security for our souls. So in a strange way, and I know what I'm about to say, it, it, it takes us time to sit and truly ponder this. It did me this week. But listen, I'm here to tell you for a Christian, suffering and death serve our joy and glorify our God. Our suffering and our death, in fact, serve our joy and glorify our God. This is why Paul could confidently say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, Philippians 1.21, that we can rejoice in the Lord always, no matter our circumstances in the here and now, Philippians 4.4. Paul said, we've learned to be content Whatever, what hap whatever happens in this life, Philippians 4.11, that we are incredibly rich when we're in content in Christ. 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, that we have been rescued from darkness and will be brought into God's kingdom, Colossians 1.13, and that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us, will be able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, Romans chapter 8. Thank you, Andrew. Anybody else excited with Andrew about the promises of God in Scripture for your life? So allow me to summarize Psalm 91, because I see three things that we know about God's faithfulness in relation to our suffering and in relation to our deliverance. Number one, God often amazingly delivers his people from harm. This is true. God often amazingly delivers his people from harm. So think about this for a moment. Maybe think about all the things that haven't happened to you. Hmm? I like to think about all the close calls that I've had in an automobile. 
God amazingly delivers us from harm. And he does so often, and I'm convinced that he does it very often when we have no clue. He's faithful when we're not even paying attention. But number two is that God often allows our suffering. And he allows it to either refine our character, he allows it for his own glory, or he allows it for reasons that we may never know. But this is the one that excites me the most. God always forbids our ultimate defeat by delivering us into eternal life. God always forbids those who are in Christ your ultimate defeat by delivering you into eternal life. In other words, God wins. God's people win. Waiting on that gift of eternal life, though, can be rather difficult. Because life is hard. So waiting on the gift of eternal life and looking at our trials and our hardships today and tomorrow and saying, you know what, it's okay. That's not, yeah, it looks bad. It's not so bad. Eternal life is coming one day. That's not how we live. I mean, this requires extreme measures of eternal perspective and spiritual maturity to see each and every day and each and every struggle and every time you suffer to just say, it's okay, slap on a smile. Eternal life is coming. It's hard. And not a whole lot of people have the discipline to live that way. I don't know many Christians who live each and every day with this eternal perspective in all matters, and I'm one of them. I mean, I get caught up in the day-to-day struggles and forget God's promises for me quite often. Each day has a lot of potential for trouble. Each day has a lot of potential for suffering. It's very distracting from these eternal promises. So I'd like to finish this sermon with some encouragement for you that relates to Psalm 91. I did just tell you that Psalm 91 does not in fact mean that you as a Christian are gonna always have physical security and safety. I realize I just said that. So ending with some encouragement for you based off of Psalm 91 seems rather fitting. First, and I started all these with the letter A for your convenience. This can help you remember these. So write these down, store these in your phone, email me and say, Adam, what did you say at the end of your sermon? And I'll email it to you. First of all, accept God's invitation to rest. Verse one says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. The verb here for rest means to lodge or to pass the night so you can actually lay down and rest in the midst of your struggle and rest in the midst of your suffering. Now, that goes against my tendency when I'm going through some sort of suffering, I need to fix it, right? I need to talk about it with somebody. I need somebody to give me tips and advice and counsel. Help me, I don't wanna suffer anymore. Have you rested in the Lord lately? Have you rested in the Lord lately? When something unexpected or unfortunate happens in your life, have you ever noticed your tendency to panic? 
It's perfectly human to panic, but we often rush to panic instead of just sit down and pray. We don't rest. So accept God's invitation to rest in his shadow, no matter your circumstances in life. Under his wing is calm, not chaos. Yes, you may not be able to control your external circumstances, but internally, you can go to the Lord and find rest. Second, acknowledge God's presence with you. And yeah, you're saying, of course, God's with me. God's with all of us. God's always with me. No, no, no. Acknowledge God's presence with you. And consider what that means. God is with you. Verse 11 says, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. The assurance in Psalm 91 is in the remarkable detail that God commands his angels concerning you. You are that important to him. He loves you that much that he sees your circumstances and he's orchestrating things in your life for your good. This is so personal. This is so specific. When we acknowledge God's presence in our lives, we realize that God's presence in times of trouble, listen here, God's presence in times of trouble is actually better than the absence of trouble without God. Did you hear me there? God's presence when we struggle is actually better than not struggling at all and not knowing the intimate presence of God. So first, accept God's invitation to rest. Second, acknowledge God's presence with you, that he commands his angels concerning you. And third, apply your suffering to serve others. Maybe God has allowed disaster to come near your tent and it's either to refine your character or it's to glorify his name or it's for a reason that you will never know on this side of heaven. But apply your suffering to serve someone else. I often hear the question, why did God allow this to happen? It's a fair question. I've had that question in my own life, but I want you to know if you come to my office with that question, I'm gonna tell you, I don't know. I don't know why these things happen, but, but listen, part of belonging to an omnipotent God, part of belonging to an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, wise God is to bow and accept the terms of his covenant and his ways. To say I belong to God is not to wag my finger and give God orders. If I say I belong to God, I'm saying God, I bow and I submit and I yield and I accept the terms of your covenant and your ways. Your ways are higher than my ways. It's in Isaiah. Your thoughts higher than my thoughts. So after struggling with the why question, and that's, that's a human question, but after you struggle with the why question, then pray the very bold prayer and change the question to who. Who God is struggling who in my life, Lord, is having the same struggle that I'm having? Who can I encourage? Who can I comfort? Paul reminds us of this privilege of serving others through our suffering in 2 Corinthians. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. In my sermon last week, I suggested this idea of soul liberation, right? 
these crippling words, what if? What if this happens to me? What if we replace what if with even if? Instead of what if this happens, even if this happens, even if the worst happens, I trust in God's love, I trust in God's wisdom, I trust in God's sovereignty, and I trust in God's faithfulness. So even if something bad happens, I can still sing that it is well with my soul. As I've been processing this even if mindset, sometimes that happens as a preacher. I preach something and then Monday I got to actually, you know, work on my own soul, what I preached. I've been working on my own heart in this idea of even if. And as I was thinking this week, I came across Charles Spurgeon's summary of Psalm 91. So I'll close with this. I invite you to close your eyes. And as I read this, just really listen to this summary of Psalm 91. It is impossible that any ill should happen to the man who is beloved of the Lord. The most crushing calamities can only shorten his journey and accelerate him to his reward. Ill to him is not ill but only good in a mysterious form. Losses enrich him. Sickness is his medicine. Reproach is his honor, and death is his gain. No evil in the strict sense of the word can happen to him, for everything is overruled for good. Happy is he who is in such a case when he appears to be in peril, he is in fact secure. Let's pray together. God, how our troubles so often rise up around us, and oh, they cause us great fear. We confess how weak and fragile we are before them. So draw our focus away from these trials and place our attention on you instead. Enable our hearts to rest fully in your shadow. Enlarge our awareness of your presence and expand our confidence in you, Lord. Show us ways that we can use our suffering to serve and to comfort and to encourage others. Help us, God, to not be afraid. We thank you today for your sovereign security. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Once again, thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church podcast. To stay connected to all that God is doing here at Redeemer, visit our website at RedeemerTulsa.org or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a blessed week.